Hello, Salon Sleuth fans. My name is Melissa and my co-host is Leslie. We decided we wanted to share our salon stories. We both have an interest in crime stories and a fascination with the psychic world. So settle in each week as we share another story with you. Who knows, you might even learn something. Thank you for joining the Salon Sleuths. Today we'll be sharing with you the story of Matthew Anfeld, who went missing on February 28, 2019. He was last seen at the Speedway Grocery Store in Rochester, Washington, off of Old Highway 99. Here's the information shared by his mother, and we believe somebody somewhere has the information she needs to bring Matthew home. Please take a listen. My name is Sarah Anfeld, and uh, my son Matthew Anfeld went missing last year on February 28, 2019. Do you want to go through the kind of what led up to his disappearance so we can kind of get an idea of where he was, maybe um, how he was feeling. And then um, we do, we went through some um, videos that we found on YouTube and I've watched (laughs) some of his rap videos that he had as well. And um, then we have some questions and maybe you can fill in the holes and maybe you can't, but we just kind of want to get the story to understand kind of what he was going through before he went missing. And I don't okay. know if you, if you heard me, Sarah, I just wanted to say that I'm so sorry that we're meeting under these circumstances. I too have a Thank son born in 1999 and I can't imagine what you're going through. And I do appreciate um, you coming on with us. Cause I think, I think that this has been handled very poorly from what I could read. Um, and I know you're, you're not quick to point that out, but I do think that some people, well, many people let you down and let Matthew down. And um, yes. I feel really bad for you and for him. And so, yes, we'd love to hear about Matthew and kind of how this went down in your words. That actually breaks me because it's nice to know people recognize that. Um, uh, I'll just say before, you know, I, I had this happen. Um, you know, you just assume that things are taken care of and appropriately. And then when you go through something like this, you think, oh, they've got my back, you know, um, everything's going to be done to help us. And you realize very quickly that you are really on your own. They don't meet a, a certain criteria. And I think even for others that do meet a certain criteria, whether it's age or, um, the position of power that you're in, I think there's still some cracks um, on how those cases are handled too. So I, I really appreciate the fact that you guys are recognizing that because I think that, yes, I, I tend to try to be very careful um, and realistic about things, but yes, there's been a lot of things that I, I don't feel has been done thoroughly yeah. from day one. Yes. Absolutely. From literally day one. Yes. Yes. Literally. Well, so we are here to help you. We want to do what we can to get the word out and to share his story. And because we are not that far from you, realistically, if he's in this area, I mean, who knows where he's at, right? But if we can at least bring awareness down our way, maybe we can help you. I mean, yes. And I don't even know, and maybe you have other suggestions, but we're willing to do whatever it takes to help you spread the word. I appreciate that. And that's, that's you, you guys and like, and people like you have been a godsend to me in getting his story out. So I really, I really appreciate you taking the time to share Matthew's story. And kind of in, in, in combination with that, if we can somehow put pressure or people in the area can put pressure on law enforcement to do more and to take this seriously, um, you know. Thank you for joining the Salon Sleuths. Today we'll be sharing with you the story of Matthew Anfeld, who went missing on February 28, 2019. He was last seen at the Speedway Grocery Store in Rochester, Washington, off of Old Highway 99. Here's the information shared by his mother, and we believe somebody somewhere has the information she needs to bring Matthew home. Please take a listen. Let's start off there, but why don't you give us just kind of a general um, description of what happened? And kind of start off with December, because I think that is telling, certainly, um, to his story. So December of 2018, right? Correct. Or if you feel like there was something earlier that would be important that we should know, you can start wherever you feel like is important. 
Okay. Okay. So I'll just give a sort of a brief synopsis prior to December. So you sort of know where he was at in December. Um, so Matthew uh, had been struggling with addiction for a couple of years. Um, in September, uh, I had, he had actually moved out of my house with my sister just because it started to really, it started to make things real bad between me and him and our relationship just really strain it. Um, mom watching her son make choices that you have no control over. Mm-hmm. And um, he, so he moved into my sister, moved in with my sister in September um, of 2018. And from there he began um, to work. Uh, you know, he was attending classes, um, and seemed to took about a month and a half. Um, and I started seeing a little bit of a change in him. Um, and I remember, I believe it was in November, um, and we stayed in contact during this time, but more of a, you know, it was, it was, gave me the ability to sort of step outside of the situation and be there for him the way I needed to be. Um, rather than right in the center of it, trying to control it. And so in November, I want to say of 2018, he, I remember he had called me one night and we must've talked for two to three hours and he was just on fire about changing and wanted, you know, I just, our conversation was so in depth about how he was feeling. He cried. He recognized a lot of the issues and things that he had done and mistakes he had made. Um, and I just, as his mom and watching him, I just felt like, Oh my gosh, he's finally hit the bottom and ready to come back up. And, uh, you know, Matthew was, I, I, I'm sure I could, a lot of parents would say this, but drugs just didn't fit him. Um, and the alcohol, a lot of people were shocked when they found out about things about Matthew, um, because he was just always such a kind hearted, um, very much about being the center of attention, making sure you were laughing, didn't matter what he was going through. Um, but of course, as I'm sure you guys are aware, drugs and addiction, they send you down a different path. And, um, so in November when he called me and we had this elaborate conversation about him and his life and his choices and where he wanted to be, um, he just seemed so, so full of life again. And in fact, I found a video and it's hilarious. Um, and I can certainly try to find it to share it with you, but he, uh, did a video. He went to a, I think a, a drug and alcohol class and he did a video afterwards and it's, it just shows his personality a lot. Um, but he was talking about being on fire about change and how he learned about, uh, we allow fear to stop us from changing. And, um, when I found the video, I was so happy because it just, it, it was absolutely him. Um, but so in December, um, you know, by this point, he's working real good. Um, he's having to work for a, uh, it's almost like a temp agency, but you go there early in the morning and they give you jobs. Um, but, you know, it's dependent on what time you get there. And and so he was doing that full time. Um, and Christmas weekend that year, I, I was preparing at home for um christmas a christmas party for our family and matthew had told me earlier that weekend that he probably was not going to be able to come over till christmas day because he had agreed to work all weekend and um so i said okay um so sunday morning i was preparing for this christmas party at my house and my sister called me and let me know that matthew had come out of his room and he had his hoodie up and was sort of hiding himself and she said you know what are you doing and they finally ripped down the hoodie and they realized that he had bruises and marks on his face um and then eventually he showed them that he had cuts all over his chest and his arms and um so she called me right away and uh he came out with them right away with or you know to see me and i was just 
I was in shock. Um, and so was he, and he was traumatized. He was crying when he was talking to me about it. And he of course gave me a story that he was, had went to work in, um, uh, they didn't work very far from where my sister lived in Lacey, uh, but probably enough of a distance that it's a little bit of a walk through town. And Lacey has been known for some, some violence. Um, it's not a place where I ever wanted to live, but so he told me he was, uh, had went to a coworker's friend, uh, right behind where he worked at the time and his iPhone had died. So he just decided to walk home and it would have been, I I'm assuming probably around nine 30, 10 o'clock at night. And so he said he was walking home down Slater Kenny and, as he got down Slater Kenny, he saw a group of people across the road. And this is a main thoroughfare through uh, Lacey. There's a lot of um, big chain businesses on there, on that road. And so he was walking, he sees this group of people, and he notices three individuals cross the road and start to follow him. And so he told me that he went into Rite Aid. Uh, and he was in there about 45 minutes to an hour, and then he walked back out, and they were sitting on the bench outside the Rite Aid. And um, so he thought, okay, you know, Matthew, you're being paranoid. Don't be paranoid. So he um, began to walk home. And when he got on the back roads to where my sister lives, he said that they started to gain on him. He started to run, but he tripped over his work boots and he fell and they all got on top of him. And he told me he was in and out. He told me he didn't remember how he got home. And from what we knew at that time, we assumed that um, he must have gotten home around 1130, 12 o'clock at night. <clears throat> He told me that he had posted a video on, I think it was Instagram or Snapchat. I can't remember which one of him um, bloody. His brother in Alaska had actually seen it and reached out to him that morning, you know, really freaking out about, you know, are you okay? What happened? And Matthew said he deleted the video, um, which I will tell you that um, I actually was able to retrieve once I got the phones back from Thurston County Sheriff's and did, did actually find that video. And so, um, so I asked him, you know, when we were talking about it, he just kept saying, I don't know how anybody could do this to someone. This is awful. Um, to my knowledge, he had been sober up until that point. Um, and so, I told him that I felt he needed to be checked out. He said he refused. I said, we need to call the police. He said, absolutely not. I'm worried for my family's safety. I don't, he kept denying that he knew who it was. Not, I didn't necessarily believe that, but it was clear to me that he was traumatized. And so I had to make it, I felt like I had to make a decision as a parent. Do I push this? How long would they really be in jail if we were able to catch them? And, you know, if they got out of jail, is my son in more danger um, for turning them in? And what is this going to do to his sobriety and mental health? And so, you know, we agreed that we would not turn it in. And so it seemed like Matthew, I, I believe it changed him um, emotionally and mentally, but it seemed like he just sort of carried on. Um, in Jan early January, uh, I remember him calling me and telling me that he had had his first clean um, drug analysis or drug testing. And I said, well, I want a copy of that. And he laughed and he said, mom. And I said, no, I'm serious. Um, but he had asked for it. And I guess they laughed at him and he said, oh, no, no, you don't know my mom. She's serious. And um, which I actually did find a copy of that um, after he disappeared, which was the first clean drug test he had done in <laughs> a couple years. So that was January, His the clean test, what came through? Yes, okay. that was January. I have it actually hanging on my wall because it's my um, 
January 9th, it was collected. Sarah, can you tell me in your motherly opinion, what was the video like of him? I know you had questions about the marks on him and if he knew these kids or whatever, these adults, I guess. But what did the video say to you? What was your gut about the video? The video uh, proved a lot to me, I felt. Um, it was posted around midnight, which met this, the timeline that he had told me. He was still bloody, um, bleeding from the cuts, um, and his face was very red, and he, he had been beaten in the face. Um, it was, and he had put, um, I, I know on Snapchat, you'll see a lot of times or Instagram, you'll see where they can put a description of what that video is or a message in the middle of the video. And he put in the middle of that video, um, I can't remember word for word, but it was something about being attacked. Um, this, or this just happened. And in the video, he's just, he doesn't say anything. He, it's just sort of showing all the marks and the cuts and, and the, you know, his face. And, um, I think he's teary eyed in it a little bit. Um, when I found the video, I was actually very angry because, you know, I was under the impression that the detectives <laughs> had gone through the phone and, this was never seen. This was, was never found. Gonna, I was going to ask that. You know, it, and, and months later, I mean, I probably found that um, probably in August, September of last year. So well after he disappeared. Well, and I would think that um, if he knew the person who did that to him, it probably wasn't somebody he was friends with on social media because they would have seen that. And that would be almost like going to the police in a, in a sense, don't you think? I would think so. Yeah. Um, but it's just hard to say, you right. know, I, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't think so, but I'm going to say that, I, that the names that we do have, um, they're on his social media. Okay. You know, so yeah. most of them are, there's a couple that are not, but, um, you know, like his Facebook, I don't have Instagram or Snapchat or any of that, but I certainly have seen a lot of them are on his Snapchat and Instagram. So Sarah, have, have the investigators now seen that video? Yep. I have, I forwarded that right away. Um, you know, this is such a frustrating process. Um, I've just felt like, you know, I believe I have, as a person, my detective is wonderful. I, I really believe that he wants to find answers, but I really believe that there's a stigma um, that if you're on drugs, you don't matter, you know, yeah. with the, the the department as a whole. And um, I just feel like not enough has been done. And obviously you guys have seen that, you know, I, I go back to all the investigations of people and it's usually um very delayed if there is any questioning i have asked for um to have phones pinged uh phone records for matthew received none of that was done yeah um and they tell me that in order to get phone records or ping someone's phone as the location they were at, they have to get a search warrant. And in order to get a warrant, they have to be able to prove that there was a crime and have a crime to list on that warrant. And my counter to that is, well, how do you prove there's a crime if you can't look at the information? You're getting these names. So yeah. Why well, can't, you know, not, not to mention you have probable cause, um, maybe it's hearsay. I'm not an investigator, but you have probable cause that there was an attack. Um, in his words, you see it on a video. So you know that he is saying there was an attack and then he's missing. That's probable cause as well. I mean, we'll get down to the market as well, but I feel like that's probable cause to search that market. 
I, I don't care what other things are going on in that market. And if they are a reason for me not for the investigators not to be there, we should know that too, because something shady is going on in the market. So yeah, don't get me started about that thing. But I, I felt your pain in that, in that whole story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that was a tough one. I don't know that he has anything to do with Matthew's disappearance, but from day one, and I used to frequent that store, so they all knew me. Um, they they obviously didn't tie me and Matthew together, but they all knew who I was, and to know that the owner. So I had stopped there that night when I got um, notified and got back into town or back in this area. And the clerk knew who I was. I went in there, told her that I was Matthew's mom. She actually got teary-eyed and grabbed her chest. Oh, my gosh, I didn't know that you were his mom. And, you know, and I said, it's, you know, it's okay. But, you know, just here's my number. Let me know if you see him. Make sure you call the police. She seemed to be, you know, just really supportive and caring. And the next morning, you know, of course, I'd been out most of the night searching the next morning I went in there because I saw the owner's car and wanted to talk to him. And he literally, he was, it was like, I was the hugest inconvenience. And what my son had done was an inconvenience. And cause I went in there and I said, Hey, you know, I'm the mom of the young man that came in here last night. And, um, he literally looked at me and his response was, I don't need this B- BS drama. And I thought I was so taken back because it's not a response you typically get when you have something like this. And I'm already in shock about everything. And I said, what are you talking about? This is my son. And he said, "Um, well, I'm not mad at you. And I said, but I don't really care if you're mad at me. He didn't come in your store and threaten harm on anyone. He didn't damage the store. He didn't do anything illegal when he came in here. He was asking for help why I don't understand why you're upset and he went off on a tangent about another incident and then I finally just left and he actually had his staff scared for any of us to come in there and ask questions um they like the the people that I hired later on to be the private investigators they had went in there and the whole time the clerk was behind them going if my boss finds this out I'm going to be in trouble and you know I didn't I didn't say anything to anyone about that and I just left alone. But when he didn't cooperate with the detectives and the search dogs, I thought that's not okay. Yeah, That's a whole new level of disregard for my son and, and him missing yeah. and a, a case that's neat, you know, they didn't, they didn't get the dogs out there for over a week. So any chance that we had was left right there. Yeah, and yeah. For, for our listeners, we're talking. We kind of skipped forward to the day he actually went missing. Yeah, so let's go back. Um, yeah, to, like after the attack, um, and then you know, do you in that video was he um, when he woke up the next morning and he deleted it? Did he say why he deleted it? Like that was a question that I wanted to know. Yeah, he he just said he didn't realize that he had done it. That was his excuse, and that he didn't want anybody else to see it and he deleted it right away because he had all kinds of messages and which is how I found it. So, um, I've had to really play with those apps, (laughs) but if you refresh them multiple times, sometimes the conversations will come back up and that's exactly how I found this gal had responded to him about that video with the video attached to her response and okay. I found it that way. Okay. Well, then let's move on past the attack. And from then on, let's go, let's jump back up so people get caught up to where we were just talking about the store. Yes. Okay. So do you want to know yeah. about the day? Yeah. So um, was there anything between the attack and to the day that he went missing that we should know about? You know, um, there, there wasn't anything that stuck out to me. I had actually flown. There's a video of that too. You guys might've seen, um, one of Matthew's biggest, biggest regrets was that he never got to say goodbye to his brother when he moved to Alaska a year and a half prior. And I had flown my son, Anthony down 
uh, to surprise Matthew for his uh, birthday on the 27th of January. And he pretty much um, stayed here that entire time um, and not leaving his brother's side. Yeah, I saw and, that video. It was very sweet. Yeah, and then um, my son went, my oldest went back to Alaska. And then the only thing I saw with Matthew was um, while his brother was here, the his employer, who again was just a daily type handout job, um, uh, type of thing, not a normal eight to five or you're, you know, you're expected here type of job. They had suspended him for not coming in for that long. And so he didn't have any work for a little while and he had, he had bills. He had gotten himself into legal trouble a few years prior. He had substantial, you know, stuff to pay for and he was very stressed. Mm -hmm. And, um, so other than really seeing him a little down about how he was going to, you know, take care of these things that he had been taking care of for the last, the prior few months, I didn't really see a difference in him. Um, now, there was a mention I, of a white car. Yes, that was the day he went missing. Okay, so th- there was nothing prior to the day he went missing about a white car? No. Okay. Nope. So, um, the morning that he went missing on February 28th, 2019, um, I had gotten up, um, to get ready for work. And when I was ready, I walked out to walk out the door and I saw him sitting on the edge of the couch and he just looked down and I just, so I automatically looked at him and said, look, son, you know, you've been doing everything that you need to do. You're doing well. I will pay your bills this month. All I want you to do is focus on finding a real job because he had graduated from all his classes that were, were required. So now he could get a, you know, regular working job. And so he said, okay. And I walked out the door and I started to shut the door and I hear mom and I come back in. He says, I love you. And I said, I love you too, which out of out of all the kids he's always been so great about saying I love you every time um to everyone he's always been that way so I didn't think much of it and I left um and then after work I had went to a friend's house for dinner I'd gotten off work late that day and like I said I worked in Olympia so I'm about 25 minutes from home and um so I went to my friend's house and next thing I know, right after I got to her house and Lacey, my daughter calls me and she says, mom, mom, there's police all over the place. Matthew's gone. And I, I, I said, what are you talking about? And so she, you know, told me, she started sort of talking and, you know, I, I couldn't even understand half the things she was saying. She was just talking about body parts and murder. And I, and I'm like, you need to put a sheriff on the phone now. And so the sheriff gets on the phone and he starts telling me that Matthew went to the neighbors, went out on the road, went down to the store and all this stuff that he's just, you know, saying his family might've been murdered or has been murdered. And, and I'm just baffled. And I said, well, I got to call my son. I, I need to call him. And he said, sir, you can't, his phone is here. And he said he left with no shoes on and left his phone. And immediately I knew something was wrong because that just wasn't him. Matthew wasn't a camper. He wasn't a go play in the woods a lot. You know, he wasn't, he liked to wear his nice clothes. And if he was going anywhere, he was going to make sure he looked good. And so, and he definitely didn't leave his phone. And so, and this is February, you know, this isn't whether you go out with, out into the neighborhood with no shoes on. And so he began to talk to me about bath salts and I had never heard the story about the guy that ate the guy's face off or whatever with bath salts. So he starts telling me all, well, you know, it could be bath salts. It could be this. And I'm literally in shock. I, I, I don't even know what's happening. <laughs> and I, cause he was fine. He was fine that morning when I left. So I get in my car and I race home. Um, so that all, um, and I have the actual timeline. Um, I don't remember the exact time that I was called, but I think by the time I got here, 
because I left my friend's house immediately. So that was about 45 minute drive from her house. And by the time I got here, got, I got to the store, which is before my house. Um, I saw two sheriffs or a sheriff and a Tenino officer and the Tenino officer, I've known him in the past and he's wonderful. Um, but I got out of my, I stopped them cause they were getting ready to leave the store and said, Hey, you know, I'm Matthew's mom. And I got out and they told me, Oh, we've conducted searches. Well, they couldn't have been out there very long because from the time I got notified, it was only 45 minutes later that I was here and everyone was gone from my house when I got home. And so they searched uh, um, with the store. They had searched um, around my property and they didn't find nothing. It was getting dark, so they couldn't do anymore. And I was just in shock because I'm thinking this is not my son. This is not... I mean, he's done a lot of crazy things, but he, this is not his normal behavior. And, um, so, so Sarah, that was it. let me ask you I a question really spent quick. spent 10 minutes with them. Um, what, Melissa, well, you were going to ask something. I was going to ask Sarah, um, this happened all in a, around five o'clock, five ten. but by five thirty, that was kind of one of the gaps that I saw by five thirty. Um, he was out in the road and then it wasn't until 6.30 that the market actually called 911. So I was a little confused. Sorry, 5.05 to 5.10, he told his sister he wanted his phone, which was charging in the house because she lives, she lived off of the garage, which was separate from the house. So he went into the, into the house and I'm sure sister can say, um, cause I didn't, I didn't read anything that he had been doing any drugs prior to that. Correct. Correct. With her. So. No, no. Right. So he leaves her. They'd been having a great day. They were planning. They had plans to watch movies and everything. He leaves her about 5.05 to 5.10, goes in the house to all accounts just to grab his phone, but then ends up at the neighbor's house. Um, but then at 6.30 isn't isn't the market doesn't call until 6:30 and the market is 2 miles approximately away from where he got onto the freeway which was right behind your house right well the so we are about 5 miles from the freeway the market is about 2 miles Okay. We, might, we might even be less. So we're further away from the freeway than the market. Okay. So it took him a little while to get to the freeway then. And then they figured from the time he got on the freeway till he got to the market was only eight minutes and it was two miles. So he couldn't have ran that fast. I've got questions about that too. Yeah. Because so I can give you the timeline. I actually have that pulled up because okay. I've been putting together a timeline to submit to higher up. Um, of all the information that we have. And I've put together like that day of what time everything happened because there's, there's just a lot of holes. I agree with you. Um, so what we know is that Cheyenne, uh, my daughter, uh, Matthew's sister and her boyfriend and Matthew got home from hanging out all day down in Longview uh, they went bowling and stuff. Uh, they got home around 4, 4, 4 p.m. Uh, Matthew went into the main part of the house to change his clothes. And Cheyenne went out and her boyfriend went out to her room. Um, when I asked Cheyenne, well, how long was he in the house? Because, you know, I want to see. I don't want to dismiss that there could have been drugs. Because I don't know to this day, you right. know. And so I said, okay, you, you don't think he was on drugs when you guys were hanging out all day, but how long was he in the house? She said, okay, by 15, maybe 20 minutes. Okay, well, then he could have had time to do drugs and come out to the room. So I said, well, what was his demeanor when he came out to the room 15 to 20 minutes later? And she said he lay down on the bed and curled up and he wanted a blanket. He was cold. And we just sat there watching videos and talking. And I'm thinking, well, that's not meth, which everybody seems to think that's what he did that day. So, I mean, and even, and he was out there, what we know, for about 45 minutes to an hour before all this took place. 
So at some point in that point, if he had done drugs in the house, I would think he would have been showing signs of that. So um, she said that after about 45 minutes to an hour, he asked her if she he wanted or she wanted him to go get his phone, which was charging in the main part of the house, to watch videos on his phone. And so she said, yeah, he got up, no shoes on, um, and walked out the door. And she said about 15, 20 minutes later, she walked outside and the, and the police were sitting in the driveway. And so it was just like, boom. And I said, well, where was his phone? And she said it was still sitting charging on the couch. So to me, that tells me he never even made it to his phone. And what's important to understand, so if he walked out of her room at 5.05 or 5.10, um, we live on six-acre plots. So this isn't a neighborhood where you're right next to each other. So if he walked out of her room, what I can tell you is he walked out of her room at 5.05, 5.10, p.m., was the first 911 call from the neighbor. The sheriffs were dispatched at 5.27 p.m. The Speedway clerk called at 5.35 p.m. At 5.56 is when I received a call from my daughter. So that timeline's a little different online, so that's good to know the correction, yeah. Right, right. And this is coming from the CAD calls, the my phone records, and um, the I actually got a copy of the investigation report. So okay. that's all in there. Okay, good, good. Mm-hmm. And, and do we know that he didn't throw on another pair of shoes? Not that this matters in the whole scheme of things, a hill of beans, but... Um, Did the neighbor also say he was barefoot? Did the clerk say he was barefoot? He was barefoot, um, according to multiple witnesses. Okay. He had, I think, I believe he had socks on, but he didn't have any shoes on. Okay. And then he apparently runs to the neighbors. The neighbors shut the door and they say, hey, um, we'll call 911 for you. They call 911. They shut the door on him because he was seeming panicky and they didn't want to let him in, correct? So they shut the door from what I understand because they have dogs and the dogs were just going crazy. And it was just, um, one person at home that day. And so she was a little freaked out, which I don't blame her. And she, um, shut the door from my understanding to get the dogs away from the door and grab the phone to call 911. Okay. And at this point there was nothing on his phone. He didn't check his phone and see a message from, a girlfriend, a guy friend, anything that would have been disturbing? We have a message. This is not known. (laughs) Um, So I won't give any names, but we do have a not so great person that did send him a message 45 minutes before the first 911 call. He would have just gotten it before he left. Like he would have checked his phone and saw it. I don't know that he saw it okay. because it from it's my understanding that wasn't opened prior to his disappearance. We actually found that. In that and message, I think we are family that was here going through stuff. In that message, could would it be something that would like upset him to where he would be freaking out? Um, no, this okay. was offering him drugs. Okay. Was so not a death threat, not a hey you owe me nothing okay no nothing like that on his phones okay i'm looking at a map right now i believe at the speedway grocery and there there looks like there's like to the left of the grocery store is like some trees and stuff is that Mm -hmm. is that is it dense what is that over there it looks like private property too it is it is so that has we actually um looked around there that has um like so right next to the speedway you're looking at the speedway to the left is the trees. There's like a fallen down uh, old shed. And then if you go down the street that that um, on the other side of those woods, that property has like two older, mo- uh, more or less abandoned mobile homes from what I could tell. Okay. And so it doesn't, I don't, I don't think at the time people were living on it because I think if I remember right, it was chained off. Okay. What was behind the market? So 
so behind the market is, um, so they have it fenced off. So the door that Matthew went out wasn't the front door. It was the side door. And that leads to a fenced off area that has, um, I think it's a, a double wide uh, home back, back there. I, I believe they use for storage. Um, from what I understand, they've got a couple outbuildings and I want to say bunker houses is what I heard. Um, cause I, I know some people that did walk that back there. Okay. And so that all that area behind it, has it been searched completely? So they walked it the night he disappeared, but other than that, no, I don't think any buildings were gone through that I'm aware of. Um, my biggest concern was, did he crawl under something? Did he crawl in something? Did he, you know, and, and we, I was so scared that he was dying somewhere, you know, my, cause obviously my first thought was drugs, um, and that he'd went crazy, um, and was maybe ODing. And so I don't, I know that they walked through it with the owner that night, but I, it doesn't sound like it was like a super in-depth search back there. And, and they, they weren't able to bring the dogs in. Right. They yeah. refused. I asked the next morning when I filed the missing person report because the the detect or the sheriff that I was involved with Matt, this case from day one, I had called him and said, "This isn't my son. I want to report um, filed right away." And he agreed. He said he was very concerned about the issue. I asked about dogs, and he said his supervisor had already denied it because he had asked. So, Sarah, if you don't mind, I'm just going to kind of run through some of that with with you. Um, and I'm going to say it so that you don't have to. But they assigned you an investigator from what I learned. And you can correct me if any of this is wrong. But they, they assigned his case to an investigator when you called, I think it was either the next day or the day after. Yeah. And this investigator was on vacation. Wait. And they, you didn't even know that because you were like, Hey, I never got a call. And they're like, Oh, sorry. You know, we, we assigned this case to somebody who's actually on vacation right now. So you had to wait until Thursday, which when did the attack happen? What was the day of the week? When he, the the attack was in December. So no, sorry. Sorry. He he went missing the day he went missing. They ended up not investigating until Thursday. Correct. Correct. So correct. So, so on Thursday, February 28th is when he went missing Friday morning. I filed, I called and I filed the missing person report was told that the dogs had been denied. I yeah, had no, the, the sheriff, the original sheriff came out in between his calls throughout the weekend to help us knock on doors. Cause you can't just go on property. So he came out and helped us. He was our only source of help from the county. Um, And then on Monday morning, I went to Olympia to Thurston County Sheriff's Office and requested to speak with a detective because I hadn't heard from them whatsoever and needed help. I, I had no support other than, and I'm very gracious to the officer that was with us through the weekend. But I, I, at that point knew I need a lot more backup and help. And so I went in, um, I met with, I don't remember their names, but I met with one from Thurston County and there happened to be one from another County in the office while I was meeting with Thurston County. And they, they, I told them the story, told them what happened. They agreed there was something wrong. And then they said, well, by tomorrow, which would have been Tuesday, we will have a, de- a detective will be reaching out to you. We're going to get it assigned. We're going to get it up on our Facebook page right away. Um, so I left and I went told me and said, have you heard from Thurston County? And I said, no, well, she, she works with some of that stuff. So she's like, well, that's ridiculous. And quite honestly, what I can tell you about my state of mind was I wasn't there. I was a complete walking zombie. I don't know how I got through it. Um, It's like you're in a different realm. That's all I can explain it. You know, you're in shock. I was taking every tip. So 
every phone call message tip that came in was coming to my phone because I had no other avenue and I wanted it to be to one phone. And, um, I had pretty much almost just given up on having TCSO because at this point I had nobody. And, um, so I, I don't know if she ever called them. Um, but I can tell you, uh, Thursday, I received a call from my now detective and, um, he, he's the one that let me know, you know, that it had been assigned to a detective that was on vacation. He apologized. He already had the dog set up for the next day, um, to come out along with search and rescue. And from there, you know, he really took the reins and started, um, doing some follow-up. But this is, this is a whole seven days later. Oh yeah. yeah. Eight days. So well, seven days that he called me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, can you tell me whether you believe that the December attack happened? Yes. Yes. You do believe I it? Do. Yes. Okay. And I will tell you probably three reasons. First off, I saw my son after it happened. Okay. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a parent that will dismiss any possibilities. I'm, I'm not, you know, did he do it to himself? Did he, you know, was he in a drunken stage and, and cut himself? But the one thing that really gets me with that statement or always got me with that statement is my son's face. I remember the bruises on his face. I remember what looked like road rash on the side of his head. Um, I don't believe he did that to himself. And, um, and then the second part of that is when I found the video, um, it really proved a lot to me. So with the detective telling me over and over that we can't do anything with this because we don't have a crime to list, I finally went to him and said, okay, fine. Then something needs to be done to investigate the, the attack in December because that was a crime. You know, you need to get work records. You need to get question people he was working with because he told me that he was hanging out with a friend from work. Um, we've never talked to that person. Never um, still? It, what's that? Never still? Nope. Because nope. you now have hired a private investigator, correct? Yes. And um, they have done they've done a lot. And we're pretty much at a roadblock at this point. So going back to that night that he was attacked in December, um, there is, I saw mention of a Rite Aid receipt. So you have proof that he was at Rite Aid. Yes, he was there that night. And he um, there once I told the detective to look into the work and start focusing on that case, uh, we were able to get information that he did work that day. And so much of the timeline that Matthew gave us, um, it does, it, it fits with what he said. Do I believe the entire story happened the way it did? No. And I will say that we have gained more information that there were more than three people and it didn't happen in Lacey. And so we've gotten some confirmation that this did happen more likely than not. So can you just speak to his mental, did he have any diagnosed mental illness? Do you think he was struggling with anything bipolar? Um, I don't know all the illnesses. Do you think that there's anything in that? We had, I had, he had had a a mental health evaluation, um, in, I want to say to 2018 and he was diagnosed with ADHD and depression. And at the time, he was struggling with his drug addiction still. And I had gotten him his medication for ADHD, but then found out he was dabbling back into drugs again. So I refused to give them to him because I I wasn't going to let him mix and kill himself that way. (laughs) So, um, you know, I, he did, but bipolar he did not have that we are aware of or any other kind of like schizophrenia or anything like that. I'm certainly not a doctor and don't claim to be, but, um, we do a lot of, um, podcasts also on 
paranormal media, psychics, all that kind of stuff. And he really seems like an empath to me. He seems very, very um, sub- subjected to people's emotions and, yes. and really yes. um, like, like he feels it. And so I think if yes. he would have been more understood, um, I think society as a whole, we don't acknowledge that. And so, yeah, he maybe had ADHD and, and a lot of kids with ADHD are empaths and they feel more than other people. Yes, that was absolutely a good way to describe him. Could you tell me um, about the Speedway Grocery when he ran in there? Can you explain what you've heard happened when he went there? Um, So I actually met with a witness that I found out about um, that was in the store about, I want to say a couple weeks after he disappeared. And um, he told me that it was somewhat like a horror movie um, was the best way to explain it. But he said that a white truck pulled up and this has been an ongoing question. I don't believe that person has ever been found, Um, but that a white truck pulled up and he said he felt like it was a, um, a utility truck. And Matthew's not sure where Matthew got out of, whether it was the back of the truck or the back seat or front. But he said he remembers seeing Matthew out in the parking lot. They just pulled in. They didn't pull into a parking spot. Matthew got out and it looked like he was trying to get into the front seat. Then they shut the doors suddenly. They took off. And Matthew came running so fast that he almost came through the doors. He said, I thought he was coming in to rob us at first. So I grabbed a bottle or he grabbed something thinking he was going to have to fight Matthew. He said, Matthew came to the doors. He was crying. He had dried blood on his face, um, which is something the clerk had also said. And he was crying, he was sweating, and he was shaking, and all he wanted to do was hide. And he kept saying, my family's been murdered, or they're going to be murdered, and they're after me. Which is the same consistent thing he had been saying pretty much from leaving our house. And he said he kept trying to go around the counter to hide behind the counter. And the clerk, you know, tried to calm him down, got on 911 while, and they had him sitting from what I understand. And then while the clerk was on 911, he bolted out the side door. And from there, all 911 calls stopped. There's been no further sightings or proven sightings. Um, He just vanished. And that was my other question. Why didn't they search for this white truck and whoever's driving it? And, and like I said, to my knowledge, that white truck, I don't know that that person ever came forward or if they were ever questioned. Um, this witness uh, that was in the store, I had to reach out to my detective and say, hey, did you ever talk to this person? And they had not talked to him. So, and also correct me if I'm wrong, but other people saw him trying to jump into a truck when he was near the highway, correct? So when he was out on the highway, I know that he was trying to open up people's doors saying he needed help and he was scared. And, um, I know he had blood on his face in the road. There was a witness that said that he was seen talking to, um, uh, somebody in a lifted white truck. Um, and then the neighbor said that there was a slow moving utility truck and I'm guessing towards the direction of the store. Um, and she watched Matthew jump on the back of it as it was slow moving. So my, my only assumption is that's how he made it to the store so quick. No matter if it was drugs or someone after him, it's, it's very clear there was a crisis that day. Correct. Why wasn't more done? Correct. I just, it's not like he just walked out of my house and they asked me, is he known for this? No. Quite frankly, I've been dealing with my son and drugs for two years. I know what he's like and he's never done anything like this. So that this, that just blows it out of the water. And to go and say his family's been murdered or like my PI said, you know, maybe people misunderstood it. And he was saying, my family's going to be murdered. Help me. You know, it's hard to say when you're in that situation, but regardless, 
why is that not considered a crisis? Something was going on and you need to prove what happened. Correct. And sure Correct. that he's okay. Right. Um, I, I totally agree with you. And and all I thought about was my son laying dead in the field because we're very rural out mm-hmm. here. And I can't tell you <laughs> what I went through just in that first week, not having the support that I needed and not having dogs out there. And, you know, something that got brought up to me not too long ago, talking to someone that used to be in law enforcement, because I questioned this. So when they brought out the search teams, before they brought out the search teams with the dogs, I said, well, do you need any of Matthew's things? And he said, oh, no, we don't need that. And what I got told, and I don't, I'm assuming this is accurate, is that they brought cadaver dogs because they didn't do it right away. Mm. So, you know, they didn't need a scent because all they were looking for was a dead body. So it's just very frustrating as I move along through this and I watch other families. I, I've, I can't tell you how many, unfortunately, I'm part of that club and I've had conversations with multiple families. You look at any story you watch, it's the same thing. There's just nothing. And I don't believe these cases are not solvable. What about putting like a bulletin board or somewhere on that corner in front of Speedway? Have you thought of, have you talked? We have, we know it would start, probably start a war. Um, But we, we have definitely thought about doing that just because anybody that, quite frankly, we live right on the highway. Right. So. um, Yeah. And if anybody's driving up and down, it's been a long time, but maybe somebody who did give him a ride might be like, Oh, that's so crazy. I didn't even know that that person was missing or. Right. Yeah. Um, But part of the concern with this is that people are scared to talk and um, some of the information that we've gotten, um, we did get um, information that he was uh, scared of a couple people just two days prior to his disappearance. And, um, you know, the more that we've dug into this, we're not sure what we're dealing with. There's just so many things. Um, you know, there was a white car that was seen that day sitting across from our driveway on the, along the highway. That same white car was seen, it sounds like anyways, I received another tip that that white car was seen sitting next to, in the middle of the road, next on Nutmeg, if you're looking at the map, yeah. um, was seen sitting on that road uh, with three guys or two or three guys standing around it. Um, that same car or light car was seen coming, flying through a stop sign onto the main highway headed towards the um, freeway, you know, but when that was that? Car is not included in the investigation, which is something that's been brought up since day one when I got, you know, when I got the detective. Um, and what so kind of, Sarah, what kind of car was that? Do you know what kind of white car that was? Um, the closest description that I got was that it looked like a white uh, Nissan Maxima. And Sarah, can you just describe the uh, people potentially, or have you had a description of the people that were standing outside of that white car on the day he went missing? The only thing I know is one was tall. As a mother, when you think about Matthew, you were very close from all the pictures I can see in the interviews that I've seen. Do you feel like we're looking for Matthew alive? No. Okay. I was really hoping for the opposite. I have it from, I have it from day one. I remember the night I pulled in here to my driveway and I can't explain the feeling. And a lot of people have gotten mad at me for saying it, but I I just know my son. And Sarah, I also want to kind of go back to something you said at the very beginning. I think what became very clear to me um, that has been clear to me about medical issues is that you have to be your kids' advocate. And if somebody doesn't advocate for everyone, a lot of times things don't get done. So you had faith in the system and the system let you down. And then- Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's been really hard after that first initial, you know, seven days to sort of get any traction. But it just goes to that same thing in medical. If you don't have an advocate- it's really difficult to get the answers and to get people to care about it. So I'm sorry that this has happened to you. I appreciate that. Thank you.
remember the beginning when I was winning. Got my mind going crazy and I'm spinning. Got you by a shoelace and I ain't quitting. That's the reason why I'm spitting. Every time I see your eyes, I see you. Every time I get butterflies, it's all you. As you can see, I want you to be all mine. As you can see, damn girl, you be looking so fine. I'm telling you. Got the pretty blonde hair, all I can do is stare Even got me thinking it's a black I'm just saying all oh, this is oh so rare Girl, you make me feel like I'm on top I found when that song I on Matthew YouTube page He had posted that four years ago If you have any information regarding Matthew's disappearance Please contact the Thurston County Sheriff's Office at 360-786-5500 Detective Hamilton's phone number is 360-866-6696 Case number 19-1080. Thank you for listening today. I remember the beginning when I was winning. Got my mind going crazy and I'm spinning. I remember just shoelace and I ain't quitting. That's the reason why I'm spinning.